Hey, Phil. Hey, Senda. You want to talk about cliches? Oh, you mean like this opening? Well, I mean, kind of, but isn't this more like a shtick? I think of it more mm, like a shtick. I guess it's, yeah, I guess it's pretty much more like a shtick. <laughs> um, what's that thing I normally say? Oh, cue, cue music. music. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts who remembers to say his name in the intro, Phil. And I am your other host who usually remembers anyway, Senda. And yeah. for tonight's topic, we have a note from GM Gerrymander on the forum who asked, when is it cliche, too cliche, and when is it a trope you should lean on? Cliches were original at one point, and they're part of the culture, but I see a lot of players and GMs trying to avoid them. But at the same time, when are they appropriate? The untrustworthy Kender, excuse me, I take offense I would think all Kenders would actually take offense to that. Kenders don't think of themselves as untrustworthy. They really don't. If anything, Kenders are super loyal. They're super helpful. I mean, if you drop stuff all over the place, they're just picking it up for you. Like, you were just going to lose it anyway. Just say it. Exactly. Anyway, the cold calculating spy, even the damsel in distress. I'm going to say even the damsel in distress. Like, wow, that is the most Edit that. (laughs) Quick edit. Quick edit. The damsel in distress is is the most cliche. The most cliche. (laughs) When they show up, sometimes they are an eye roll. But if they never show up anymore, are they still cliche? And when is it okay to use them? So how do you use a cliche properly? Yeah, good question, right? Um, So tonight, uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at cliches. And we're going to talk about when to use cliches uh, and when not to use cliches. Yeah, first, though, we have to kind of unpack what they are. So for that, we're going to have to lean onto one of our cliches, Definition Panda. Where is it a right. bit? I feel like maybe it's a bit. Bit, right? Bit, yeah, I know. Cliche, shtick. I mean, I don't know. Is it well, overdone I know. We're, yet? We're, we're gonna get. We're gonna get to that. Let's um, define it. Yeah, <laughs> and so, decide. So we need to unpack a few terms for tonight, right? So let's um, let's start at the bottom, right? With trope, right? A uh-huh. figure, a figurative or a metaphorical use of a word or expression, right? Like we've talked about tropes before. Yeah. Right? So um, for example, you get like the hacker in a group of criminals on a heist, right? Like yeah. that's a trope. Yeah. Um, And and, in a lot of ways, they can be really useful shortcuts because you don't have to explain everything about them. Perfect, right? Uh, Shtick is a gimmick, a comic routine, a style of performance, etc. that is associated with a particular person. Or show, right? Like, or thing, right? Like, this can be the opening of our show. Yeah, we have a lot of shticky things in this this show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and shticks are kind of like the same way with tropes, right? um, Shticks, the thing with shticks is that um, they make it feel familiar. Right. right, because it's predictable. Like because because our show opens the same way because we do the definition thing. Like it, there are these um, those sticks. Um, those sticks make people comfortable because they are reliable. Right, it, or and you do develop them in a game group, even right. Like we have sticks in my game group that are now like these running jokes that have been going on for months. Sure, like we we always quote, "You tried so hard and got so far, but in the end." <clears throat> It didn't even matter. Like, that's just a thing that keeps coming up for us. But that's now a shtick, right? Lincoln Park is a shtick for us. That's very funny. Um, so now <laughs> let's get to the um, 
So, yes. Let's get to the big boy. Cliche, right? Yep. A phrase or opinion that is overused and betrays a lack of original thought. Ouch. Ouch, right? Like, right? Yeah. It's when, <laughs> it's when a shtick goes bad. <laughs> so, or a trope. Or, or a tropic trope spot. Goes it goes sour. It goes sour. You can only keep those on the shelf for so long, really. So it could be it could be really kind of anything, right? So it could be like um, a pit trap with spikes in a dungeon. You know, it opens up the same way every time. Everybody knows about it. So I'm just going to venture off the script for a second. What? So it's really interesting. Like I have this real aversion to um, cliches and stuff a lot of times because when I was a kid growing up, my dad and I would be watching TV and his word for cliche was hokey. Right. Right. So we'd be watching something and he'd be like, oh, he'd be like, that's hokey. That's whatever. And I would really like it. Like, it would be so, like we'd be watching the A team or something. Right. Right. And, you know, the A team's like full of, you know, dumb cliches. cliches. And, yeah, absolutely. Right. And so, yeah. He would say those things and I would be like, oh, oh, maybe like, maybe, you know, like, I guess, I guess like you have to like do it differently or whatever. So, like, I, I used to have a lot of problems with cliches and like I kind of got over it, but I realized that like a lot of it came from my like wanting my dad's approval about like stuff I was creating and <laughs> stories I was making and stuff. Okay, anyway. Deep moment of introspection. Deep moment of introspection happens on the show. Yeah. So things like tropes and and shticks, as well as locations, objects, whatever, can all become cliche, right? They can turn into cliches. And one day, like, you know, one day a cool trope, the next day could just be cliche. It's true. And the tricky thing about cliche-like stuff is that it's somewhat subjective, right? Like, who gets to decide what is overused versus what's original versus what's still a shtick versus what's still funny? Um, all of that stuff, right? So the answer is that, like, there's different layers of sets of people who get to decide what they think about it, right? There's popular opinion, which is, you know, the media, the internet, Twitter. Twitter may decide that something is cliche. Exactly, right? Yeah, right? Your peer group, your friends... The specific people that you follow on social media, etc. The gaming group that you play with, right? Even more specifically, mm-hmm. right? Someday, maybe Linkin Park will be cliche for us, but today is not yet that day. Right. <laughs> and, and so this is where it gets more complicated, right? Because um, first of all, what one group thinks may not be, like what one what one group thinks is cliche may not be um, thought of as cliche by another group. So. Uh, the internet might be cool with spiked pits in your dungeon, um, but your group might be like, oh, it's so cliche. Not another spiked pit. Right. right? And then the the second part of this is there's no rules for something like when does it become cliche? There's no expiration date printed on the story package. Um, there's no set progression that you're like, you know, you're a shtick for six months and then you're cliche, right? But like, if you think about like memes, like how long is it funny until it's cliche, right? Like just, they, they just, they just expire. But sometimes, sometimes, some, and, and, sometimes and sometimes they, they last don't. forever, right? right? so like there's no method by which we sort this out right and and then third there's no list of what's cliche and not like like you can go to tv tropes and find tropes yeah but there's no like like there's no cliche.net or something where (laughs) you could be like is a spike trap cliche or not like there's so it is the most subjective thing possible right it is it is literally just uh, like somebody has to be like, oh, 
So cliche. So cliche. <laughs> right. Yeah. So tonight, we're going to look at this in the following way. I'm going to look at when you could use them, right? And get away with it. Right. And I'm going to look at when you shouldn't use them, right? Because there's no way we can pin down yep. when something becomes a cliche. So we're <laughs> right. simply like they exist. We're just going to tell you when like when to use them and when not to use them. That that sounds fair, right? Yeah, I think that seems pretty fair. Okay, right? cool. All right, cool. Yeah, right, so, do it. so for using cliches, um, there are times when using a cliche is going to fit the game that you're playing, and sometimes they're even helpful, because, like tropes, they are touchstones, and they can convey a lot of information, and they can be very genre-enforcing, right? And sometimes you want or need that in your game. And, you know, there are certain types of games that I tend to run a lot of where I'm like, cool, I genre enforce with cliches. I totally do. And it's fun because you play on them, right? So here's some ideas. So when you need to convey something quickly in a game and you don't want to expend a lot of words to describe it. So, um, for instance, your sci-fi game has planets that are one biome. Yep. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Boy, where did you get that from? Each planet Just, is only know, one biome, the whole this thing. This planet is all desert, and this, this planet, planet is, is all forest. winter. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That one's a moon. Oh, you're right. It is a moon. <laughs> but, you know. Anyway, uh, yeah. Um, so you might also use them when you want the players to feel like they're in the genre. This is where you're being genre enforcing, right? Right. Like, so the old man in the corner in the end gives you a quest. Right. When you're like, I want the tone of this game to be like Dragonlance. And they're like, cool, you're eating spiced potatoes and there's a man in the corner looking mysterious, right? Seriously Um, cliched. Right. Totally digging it. So cliched. But like, right. And then and that leads into and this is where it usually comes up for me is when the game doesn't take itself too seriously. Right. So like if you're playing Paranoia and you go to... um, uh, research and development um, and you're asked to test the super weapon like that is that like that bit of shtick is actually pretty cliche but it's still damn funny right it's still key paranoia paraphernalia as yeah. it were right and then when the game or genre is aware of itself this is the other place that i tend to use it a lot <laughs> yeah um because this is a case where it, so this di- this is different from the one above it because it's not about being funny. Right. But the genre is aware that it's like, it, 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 it's like, it's, for it's instance, meta. It's meta. In, in Passions de la Passionés, um, the gardener being revealed to be the twin of the heiress. Oh, yeah. Right. But, but like, it's so good. And also yeah. genre enforcing, right? Because there's a yeah. reason these things are cliches. Um, yeah. And then the other reason, like, these are all the ones that I use things for, right, is also when you want a laugh or a lighthearted moment from the game. And sometimes that means genre enforcing because that's the genre you're in, right? But also... Yeah, so like for instance, uh, like everybody's getting their mounts to go out on on you know the expedition, and the hulking barbarian gets like the really tiny right. Um, so like horse. their their feet are like dragging. Yeah, or they're you know <laughs> all bunched up on it. Right. <laughs> and um, and then the last one, and we're going to talk more about this in a bit. Is it's also fun to specifically 
start to use a cliche when your purpose is to subvert it. Um, Mm -hmm. But we'll come back to that uh, a little bit more in your section, right? So in all of these cases, using the cliche enforces the game itself, the genre and the setting and can uh, and can do it in meta ways or just by like enforcing the type of story that you're telling. And so when you use it like that, the cliche is actually a tool to help you um, be in the game and it's a way that you can help set and maintain the tone of the game. Yeah, so like if you use it sparingly, right, then they're like little in-jokes, like little moments that you smirk during the game, right? Like they're, they may be like little nods to let players know, like, you know, I'm aware of what's going on, like kind of things, right? Like little, just little yeah. nods. Like I got that, I got um, that. But if you use them like heavily, right, or really lean hard into a cliche right now, like we're kind of setting a tone of like maybe this game's a little more slapstick. Yeah, if you um, if you're like, cool, I'm just going to jump into this in situation. There's a hooded figure in the corner and we can all have a little giggle as we get started on the game. That is different than like and also you are playing a half elf and, you know, are clearly torn about your life. And um, now we have a runaway elf woman who's in love with you like then we start pushing some you know yeah then we're then well then, we, then when too many cliches pile up right. right when too many cliches pile up or if we're really blatant about a cliche right what we're what we're telling people we're telling people this is a parody yeah, exactly. Like everything so people that I start just, treating it like a parody. Everything that I just said is like I'm creating a parody of the original Dragonlance trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. Like Cool. Right. And, and that's very tone, right? Like that helps set tone, right? Like if, if I'm playing a game with a bunch of people and I need to let them know what the tone of the game is, this is a way to do it, right? There's a difference between using a sparing one uh, cliche just to get a little nod or a quick giggle versus like really piling it on and people being like, cool, I'm not taking anything in this game seriously. I get it. Right. Yeah. Like the mage's eyeballs. The pupils are... Have hourglasses. No, they're not even hourglasses. They're like stopwatches. <laughs> right. Yeah, now we're like... Now we're, now like, we're beyond cliche. We're straight into parody yes. land. Yeah. All right. It's a slippery slope. So let's talk, about, let, let's talk about when not to use cliches. Yeah. Right? So we mostly avoid cliches when we want something to be taken seriously or we're afraid of breaking immersion. Right, which is, uh, there's another part of this too, which is that people um, often strive to be completely and totally original, which is just one of those things that like, no one has, yeah, like no one has ever been totally, completely original ever, right? So there are novel moments, but really what we're kind of doing is taking the same building blocks at some level, and maybe you have them more down to minutia, or maybe you're dealing with bigger ones, but whatever you're doing, you're taking building blocks that someone has probably already touched before, and you're just putting them in a different order. You're building a different thing out of them, right? Yeah, and, and what we mean by this is like, like, like you ma- you make a conscious effort, like say you're doing Fantasy Town, right? So you make a conscious effort that everything's not a cliche. Right. So you come up with like a really original name for the for the inn. And it's not like a it's not a middle aged, like fat dude behind the counter. So you like and and you just keep like one after the other. They're 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 purposely. Their potatoes are really bland. They don't even have (laughs) potatoes. Right. Like they make like something else. Ludafisk. (laughs) Yeah. Like like but you just like it's that thing. Right. It's like where you're trying to be too original. So you've like removed every cliche and trope possible. 
And like one, you're just doing like way too much work. Yeah. Right. Like, like go look at, go look at like any movie, like go look at the cantina scene in star Wars. It's a bar. Yeah. Right. The, they, sub, they, they change one or two things to make it different. But the rest of it's a bar because guess what? It's we can a bar. all conceptualize bar. Yeah, and then we don't right? we don't need a lot more information than that to make that scene make sense. Exactly. You're just doing like so, so. The bottom line is like don't don't not use cliches because you're trying to be 100% original. No one's 100% original. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Back to tone and immersion. Yes. So the thing with cliches is that um, cliches often create reactions uh, in the player. Right. Because they're funny or you pick up on it or you roll your eyes because that thing just happened again yeah right you could get snotty too right like i i used to be very elitist right so like if the gms i was playing with like did something cliche in my head i would be like oh like so cliche so cliche well or like like, you know you might be on a podcast and the next thing you know you're like rickrolling your whole audience but like that's pretty cliche at this point yeah exactly so about a bunch of people eye rolled us (laughs) Right. So here's the thing, right? So the thing is when you're, so your brain loves patterns, right? We've talked about this before, right? Your brain loves pattern recognition so much so that when it finds a cliche, it will match it to like the original thing um, or it will match it to, you know, oh, here are all the other times this cliche has been used, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and if we go back to the, um, the idea of layers, right? Yep. Of different layers. That kind of thinking is player player level thinking, right? Yes. Like that happens in the player level, which means that for it to occur, your attention has been pulled out of the character level. So when you're like in character and you bump into one of these cliches and quietly in your head, you're like, oh, how many pit traps have I ever seen in my life? <laughs> you are now out of the character level. I can't believe right? there was another robed old man in the corner. Exactly. So if you're playing a game where immersion it's really important, right? Like the like being your character and staying in character kind of thing. Cliches are the kind of thing that can jostle you out of them. Yeah. Um, so you definitely want to try to avoid them um, if if that's your concern. Yeah. Right. And then there are some other places like types of games, types of scenes and stuff where you really want to try to avoid cliches because that breaking immersion is going to kind of ruin the the tone or feel you're going for. Yeah. So that would be things like heavy emotional scenes or somber scenes or when you're trying to be scary or pretty much a lot of those lots of times we talk about things and compare it to running horror where everyone has to buy in and really commit to that. So there are other situations that we treat the same way as playing horror, like when you are playing seriously for like romance or like those kind of things. Yes. Basically anything that has that kind of intensity that everybody has to kind of jump in and agree with. Now, before the internet jumps on our case, yeah. going back to what going back to what we said before, yeah. if you are playing heavy emotional scenes, somber scenes, or be or horror, scary kind of stuff, and you want to change the beat, oh yeah, for sure, this is where a cliche will work, right? Can I tell um, you? You can change the beat in other ways, but but just so I don't want people to think <laughs> like if you're doing heavy emotional scenes, you can't have any cliches. I'm talking about the actual scene of the heavy emotions you can bracket it or have like, you know, at the end of that scene, something kind of cliche come up as a thing that indicates like, Oh, you know what? Here's our you should all moment. laugh now yeah. because we just came out of this heavy scene. Yep. I had a really heavy scene playing across from a gentleman at my table. We were twins who had ended up on opposite sides of a superhero battle. And um, we had a really serious 
moment in conversation. And right as we came out of it, he looked at me dead in the eye and he said, you tried so hard. And yeah. got so far. And I didn't even catch on until he said the second sentence and then we all died, right? You know. Exactly. Because because and that goes to that That's, goes to beat structure and right. stuff like that, right? Sometimes we need that um you gotta have that beat after a heavy scene yeah. so, to to let those emotions out. Yeah. All right, cool. All right. So the other thing we want to the other time we want to avoid cliches is when the tone of the game is serious. Yeah. Right? Now we talked about in your section that using cliches um, can indicate a, a game is uh, the tone of the game is silly yes. or not to be taken seriously. Yep. Right. So if we're playing a game that's serious, we don't want to get we don't want to um, overuse our cliches because we may have injected too much comedy um, into the game. Right. So if we're playing like Knights Black Agents, no sparkling we definitely vampires. Don't, <laughs> no sparkling vampires. No, I will drink your blood, vampire. Right? Yep. Like, don't nope. do that. No, don't do the count. Nope. Right? <laughs> like, no. Um, yeah, because you'll just you'll kill your tone. Yes. Right. And and like to be honest, if you kill your tone at best, you've killed it for a scene. Moderately, you've killed it for a session. And worse, tragically, yes, you've damaged it so that the players always go to that joke. Never come back. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you do find yourself about to use a cliche in a game that is uh, serious tone or heavy content, there are a few things you can do to kind of like make it better. Right. Right. So the the first one is like you can just file the serial numbers off of it. Yeah. So this is something we've talked about before when we're talking about just using things from other media. So like find the core of what that cliche is and then change the trappings so that it's just not as recognizable. Yeah. Because as long as you can kind of obscure that pattern match. Yeah. Like you'll avoid triggering it. Yes. Um, and the players will go on. Yeah. Uh, the, the next one is if you're going to use it, minimize it. Right. So put it in a place that's not like super important to the main plot line. So if you have like a pair of minor NPC policemen and one of them is good cop and one of them is bad cop or one of them is about to retire and one of them is the rookie, you know, whatever it is. Um, right. They could show up, but maybe they're they're not the main NPCs for the session. Yeah. Get them in, get them out. Yeah. Get them in, make yeah. them do what they need to do, and get them out again. Exactly. Uh, the next one is, um, and this goes back to what you were saying in your section, like the other thing you can do if you're about to use a cliche is go and subvert it. Right, which is very specifically starting into the cliche to let the person start to pattern match and then change it because then it breaks that pattern match thing, right? So like you're doing your sci-fi getaway chase and instead of the hyperdrive failing... Um, it goes into super overdrive and then you have a new kind of problem. Can they get out of hyperdrive and when they do, where are they going to be? Right? Yes. Like that's different. So subversion is one of those great like moments that you can just fake out your players without being a douche about it. Yeah. In fact, it's great because for a moment they'll be like, oh, I bet the hyperdrive's going to break. And then you're like, and the hyperdrive goes to like warp 10-5. Right. And they're They've like, gone what? Plaid. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So, and that's the thing where it lures the players into thinking they know what's going on only to throw a curve, but not in a crappy way. Like, <laughs> by the way, this game is not actually about what you said it was going to be about, right? Like, it's an okay way to do it. Because this is a way that will actually raise tension and emotion because they have to think um, creatively to problem solve something they weren't expecting. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. So when we uh, start talking about subverting cliches, it must be wait, time wait, to... Wait, wait, wait. Are you going to say go long? Because if we subvert the cliche of our ending, 
then we would want to make the show go longer. But I have to edit this. So after last week's episode, which is all right, really all long. Right, all right, all right. That one was my fault last yep, week. Um, yep. All right. So let's not subvert it. <laughs> let's let's lean into uh, our cliche, our shtick. And when we start talking about subverting cliches, it must be time to end the show. Indeed. But first, I will tell you. Oh, you still did it. About another show oh, on the Mr. Rick Mark Network. <laughs> the Gnome cast. Several gnomes from Gnome Stew get together to talk about gaming topics and themselves in an effort to entertain you and avoid being thrown in the stew. So, uh, send up. Where can people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums where this topic came from. Or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Yeah, please, 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 please uh, send us topics. I get topics from a lot of places. We get them from the forums. I get people who now like find me on Slack and send them to me. Twitter, um, but everywhere. Twitter, yeah. Like, please just send us your topics. Uh, this show is like ninety eight percent, ninety eight point five percent fueled by your topics and questions, uh, and we like it that way. Because um, if we sit around to do it, you're just going to get ditch lily trivia all night. Mm-hmm. So instead. We we like to do the thing. We like to talk about the things that you find interesting. So please keep sending those topics. And if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Mistractor Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to Patreon.com/MMP. Patrons get all sorts of things. Get the bonus outtakes from this show, which are pretty okie dokie. Uh, you get the uh, after show from Mistractor Mark. Access to the Slack room for life. You can come hang out and play Minecraft with us if block therapy is your kind of gig. Um, we give uh, we give out occasional things. We're due to give out something to our patrons. You've been saying um, that for a while. No, I know, but I also know like we're like we're kind of like in a holding pattern at Encoded right now. We're kind of taking like a little bit of a hiatus over the month of February. And now that we're heading into March, I'm uh, like as as the ground thaws and the new grass comes forth, I am uh, wakening. I'm wakening all the encoders mm-hmm. to also get their shit going so that we can get some <laughs> so we can get some stuff made. Um, so anyway, wake up out of hibernation. I, we do have a we do have a thing and it is going to come to uh, it'll be fun and we're going to get we're going to kick it out to our patrons. Uh, we also like to shout out to our patrons um, every week. We pick a few, even though we love you all every week. We like to sh- like make special shout outs to a few of you this week. Jared Rasher, the scribe of MMP. Thanks, Jared. Uh, Zach Goins. Thanks, Zach. And Troy Pitchelman. Thanks, Troy. Send up. As part of our 2020 marketing campaign, oh the If You Listen to Us, You Will Love Us <laughs> campaign. Um, Give us there fish. Is a, fish that look like reviews. <laughs> there is a thing. There is a thing that we need in order to help get people who don't already know us and love us fish. to listen to us and love us. Yes, fish. And that thing is um that thing is a review a fish. but it's in a very specific place what is that place well you could leave us a review on apple podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice every new review we get really does actually help new people find the show and on apple podcasts you can review specific episodes if you really want to so like if there's one that you really like like go give us five stars on an episode that's cool but it does help new people find the show and uh if you review it we really really love knowing about those reviews and and reading them because it's like giving a fish to a seal makes us oh, very oh, happy oh. see yeah like that cool so thank you so very much to everybody who already uh left a review that we really really appreciate it say phil uh show me how you are going to deal with the cliches in your upcoming headspace game 
Yeah, it's a cyberpunk game, so there's definitely some cliche material out there. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. There's been um, some random humor ones that have been pretty good. And and then I, I do have like a guilty pleasure. Like there is a type of video, like I watch them on Facebook too all the time, which is like any kind of... Um, Woodworking. Woodworking. Yeah, you're. An interesting you're. T- I know. Hang on. Yeah, so I have this thing about woodwork. I have this thing about woodworking videos, like especially turning, okay. like yeah, lathes and where you stuff. Just see it shaping. Oh, like any of those things where like they make bowls or whatever. Um, like I watched this one. It was like just mindless this afternoon. That was um, somebody made this like, I don't know. It was like eight layer wood table or something. Like they had like eight different types of wood glued it together and then they like you know um they throw the lacquer over it and all that's the sand and all that's it like it was totally it was it was like completely rad um i love that stuff like i will sit and just watch like i will sit and watch woodworking videos and i and let me be clear i have zero woodworking talent right i i don't own any (laughs) woodworking gear i've never done anything beyond um beyond middle school shop class um, which was pretty, you know, meager. I know how to put a nail. Oh, I can do that. And through two pieces, that's about where I, I mean, am. middle sh- middle school shop class. Like we made stuff, right? Like we made a sign for our house, and we made. Um, um having said that, yes. I um did have to work in the scene shop for a semester in college. So most of my knowledge of doing anything sort of handy comes from set building. So is that just like is um, it like just drill screws into stuff? Uh, there's a lot of drill screws into stuff, but it also means weird things like I'm way more comfortable using a table saw than like anything that I hold in my hand. That's interesting. <laughs> like, right? Even though they're like really scary. Um, I'm. You would think that being the son of a forged and fire winner, like I might have <laughs> any like any kind of remote talent like that, but that is not true. But no. no. Boy, there was something funny we were talking about uh, before we started recording, but then we talked about other things and I forgot. Yeah, I did too. That's why I just like jumped into the TikTok thing really quick. Bloop. Yeah, what was it though? It was like, I mean, we were talking about Yoko Kano and we were talking about Escaflone and that was the nasal. Oh, I was doing that, that until your computer Elegy. crashed. I was doing my own Escaflones. Um, Escaflones? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because Flonase is the um, actual drug. Right? I know, but Escaflonase. I was yeah. doing the symptoms list, and I was just making up like random sim- like random symptoms. Bloop. Yeah. I had well, I spent I spent a bunch of my evening like I was I was like plucking away at my harp, and then I was like, oh, this is a melody that I know, and then I figured kind of figured it out and figured out like some of the chords that went with it, and then I was like, what the fuck song is this? Did you Shazam it? I actually soundhounded it. Yeah. I actually went and re-downloaded Soundhound for the first time in like I don't know how many years because I could not find this fucking song to save my life. And then because um, I thought it was Record of Lotus Wars, but it wasn't. It turns out it was Escaflone, which is why we were talking about Escaflone, Yoko Kano, still yes. a goddess. Um, 
And uh, and I was just like, I cannot find this damn song. And then I found it on SoundHound, and but like it didn't have any of the information in English. It was all in kanji, and I was like, bah, how will I reproduce this information? And it was an interesting evening. Nice. Bloop. It, so tater tot waffles is like making fried rice, right? You can't use frozen tater tots. You have to have already cooked them. Yes, and then you have put to. them in the fridge. And then put them in the thing. Right. Yeah. I learned that you can make um, meatballs with cold rice also. Oh, interesting. Instead of breadcrumbs. Right. So the, the, the chicken, like the sort of Mediterranean-esque chicken meatball recipe that um, I made on Monday is um, is actually rice and chicken. Oh, interesting. And then like green onions and seasonings and stuff in there. And it's very good. And you basically, you plop them on some hummus and then you eat them. Ooh. I was like, oh, oh, they're very good. Bloop. Okay, making silly faces and working to make him come back. But I'm making really silly faces. You guys should see them. It's not working, though. Usually when I make myself look really stupid, that's when the video cuts back in. Bloop! Okay, I'm back. There we go. I was making funny faces and everything. No, I'm pretty sure like you froze up. I kept, I finished my story. So when you edit this, you'll be able to Good. grab the story. I just, I need to cool. put an ending on the story for a second. Um, but uh, that definitely looked like me. That message, like I was getting a connecting on my phone. Mm. All right. So give me one second. I'll put an ending on this and then we should just jump into the, the episode. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, Bloop. okay, we got to go. Like anyway, chicken cat, chicken Chicken katsu curry. That's a thing. I know. People now I'm try looking it. like yakitori breast. I'm like, I found a place near me that has something. Yakitori don. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Japanese style veggies and boulder natural chicken served over rice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Katsu curry, choice of chicken or pork. Boom. That's it. Just get, yeah. do that tomorrow. Yep. Will not. You're going to take it home because it'll be huge. Um Yep. But you will... They also have katsu curry ramen. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> you know, and I say that because the katsu's really crispy. Like, yeah, I would not want to put it in like my a... ramen and watch it get soggy. As yeah, it was, like, sad. the curry got it a little soggy, but it was still pretty crisp. Okay. Yeah, well, they have a lot of different ramens. Just All right, so saying. you should go to that place tomorrow. Yeah, shio, shio ramen. Okay, you ready to do this? Yes. Good. All right, close that menu. But it looks so tasty. You will close that menu. <laughs> Wait, that was last week. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to respond. Bloop. Anyway, so do you want to start the show? I really do. Are you ready? <laughs> uh huh. Make, the, okay, make cool. the meowing sound. <laughs> Meow. Moving on. Bloop. Hacker, 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 hacker. We're still going to have a hacker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show me what you got. 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 Bloop. All right. We should just say goodbye. Nice laugh. No. No. Okay. Say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Where's my mouse? I found it. <laughs> <laughs>